If you have your Bibles for a few moments, turn with me to the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to the 27th chapter, and I'll read beginning with verse number 11, and then over to Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. If you don't know where Deuteronomy is, it is in the Old Testament. If you still can't find it, start at Genesis and work toward the other end, and you'll come across it. All right? Smile. Tell somebody God loves them. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 11. And the scripture said, And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, These shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you are come over Jordan. Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. And they went into the pronouncing of curses that would be upon the people if they did certain things and they all in harmony would say, Amen. And uh, it was so. One verse that I failed to give to these gentlemen in the back goes previous to this, but I'm somewhere earlier in the chapter, I think it's verse 4, it said, Therefore, it shall be when you be gone over Jordan, that you shall set up these stones, which I command you this day, in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster, and thou shalt build an altar. Interesting notation, that at the, at the base of the Mount of Cursing, Mount Ebal was the mount of cursing. God wanted a monument built of stone in which they would etch the law of God that had been revealed to them. And an altar would be built there at the base of that mountain of cursing. Keep that in mind. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And it shall come to pass, verse 1, if thou shalt hearken diligently... Unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do. Everybody say observe. And to do. Say it again. To do. Yes, those are, those are twins. They are connected. Not just observation, but doing. All his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. And he names them, and we prophesied and spoke them, Blessed are you in the field, and blessed shall you be in the city. And and we claim those promises. Then in verse number 15, he said, But it shall come to pass, 
If thou will not hearken, or you will not listen unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Again, to observe and to do. Underline that small phrase. To observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes. What I command you this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. And he speaks the reverse of what would happen. They would be cursed in the city. They would be cursed in the field. Their purse would be cursed. Their basket would be cursed. And so forth. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about my dilemmas, my my destiny's dilemma. My destiny's dilemma. I want you to listen carefully, if you will. God bless you. You may be seated. God had orchestrated the greatest deliverance of humanity in the history of the world when he brought Israel out of Egyptian bondage. After having spent hundreds of years in actual slavery, one night, in one night, God brought them out and changed the course of their life and pointed them in a direction of promise and prosperity and blessing. They came to the edge of the promised land early on after a two-year journey. But because of unbelief and because of the fear of a few, They lost that window of opportunity and they were turned back into the wilderness for another 38 years of wandering. When I read that again this week, I I felt within my own spirit that I needed to make you aware again of the powerful influence of your decisions. The powerful influence of your choices on a daily basis, how the ripple effect can touch so many that you never even considered. And because of their choice and their decision on that day, another time of wondering ensued until that generation died in the wilderness. And yet in spite of that unbelief, you will find that throughout their journey, God miraculously provided for them and sustained them with His provision. God's great power protected them throughout their journey against all of the inhabitants of the land that would have devoured them and taken advantage of them. And God's miraculous mercy preserved them from so many tragic events that happened along the way. And now here they have come again to the borders of the promised land. And this time Moses spends an extensive amount of time instructing them concerning the coming days. And Moses is quite aware already that he is not going over that The next passage of God's people would be without him, but he wanted to make sure that they understood 
Everything that they had been taught and everything that they had been instructed in the time of his leadership would not go unheeded and it would fall by the wayside. And so he gives what in essence is a farewell address. And the entire book of Deuteronomy is that farewell address. And in the book of Deuteronomy, you will find him addressing very specific things, reminding Israel of uh, of all that they had gone through and what had transpired in their life. And in his address or his series of addresses, Moses sought one thing, and that was to equip them Equip this generation with the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom that was needed for their new life in the promised land. And so in order to do that, he goes back to the past and he rehearses their history and how God had been faithful to them and he had brought them out and he declared to them in this passage through the wilderness his covenant with them. God shared with them his law, his covenant of promise that would govern their lives and would help them throughout the entirety of of their life and these were the promises in essence that would affect their lives on a daily basis for good or evil for the rest of their lives and he reviewed God's concern for them and his word concerning them about their worship worship is so important to God that it be done properly and it be done in the right way and so he gives them the laws of worship and he gives them the laws of giving and of sharing and of work and relationship to others. And if you read the book of Deuteronomy, you find Moses touching on so many critical things, the treatment of the accused, having cities of refuge where men who had been falsely accused could find refuge and how to respond to the civil laws of the land and if they were waging war and so many other things that God gave them down to one particular note concerning the diversity of man and woman. And in Deuteronomy, he said that it is an abomination for a woman to wear that which pertaineth to a man. And he goes on to talk about the separation of seed. Now, some people would tell you that that does not apply to us in a New Testament age. But I beg to differ with you that it was a principle that God wanted them to never forget that there was a distinction when I made you, when I created you in my image, and I don't you, you I don't want you to ever blur those lines. I want femininity and I want masculinity, but I don't want those two to ever be blended into some mutated something that nobody understands. 
And you can argue about dress and you can argue about this or that. But the fact was that even in their day, there was a distinctive mark between what a woman wore and what a man wore so that nobody would ever be confused. And we better make sure that in this postmodern culture that we live in, that we understand our distinct role and not allow the devil to muddy that so that we become confused about who we are and what promises are applied to us because of our obedience to him. Man, I'm going to tell you why our country right now is in the confusion that it is in. It is not because of Republicans nor because of Democrats, but it is because somewhere in the past we decided to start messing with what God had separated and we started trying to mix light and darkness together and call light darkness and darkness light. And God said, I will never bless that. I will never prosper that. I will never bless that. I will never agree with that. And so his instructions came and he set forth principles that would govern their daily lives. Daily lives. If they enjoyed the promises of the land, they would have to observe certain principles. And in this land that God had provided for them was every provision that they would need or could desire for their happiness and their joy. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. There were houses there that they didn't build. There were vineyards they didn't plant. There were fields that they had never plowed. But God gave it to them for them to enjoy and be blessed. But their enjoyment of these things would be tied To something so critical that only they had the power over it. Only they had the power over it. That no matter what God did, no matter what God provided, no matter what God secured, no matter what God supplied, if they did not make the right choices and they did not make the right decisions, then their choice or their decision would sabotage everything that God had prepared for them in this promised land. And I have come today to tell all of you in this building that God has not changed from that moment until now. He is a God who supplies. He is a God who provides. He is a God who is always there. But my access to that provision and my access to God's power is determined by what I do in my own life. The choices that I make in my life on a daily basis that affect whether or not I enjoy what God has provided. You see, if they would only recognize that the law of God had been given to them as far more than a restrictor or a limitation on their lives, if they would understand that the law of God was given to be more than just another form of bondage. You see, that's what our culture thinks what we believe is, is just bondage. It's legalism. 
And that was what God was trying to help Moses help them understand. That what I'm giving you is not another form of bondage, but it is a true key to freedom and liberty in your life. That if you ever understand the value of this word, and you embrace this word, that this word will liberate you. It will free you. It will bring into your life all of the promises of God. Hallelujah. The success or failure of their new homeland was going to be dependent upon them understanding that. That this was not to limit their lives. This was to free them so they could truly enjoy the blessings of God. The simple fact was all of the law was for their good. Even the laws they could not understand. Amen. Even the laws that they could not understand. Adopting those principles and embracing those principles were still for their good. Because they were principles of godly living. I've said this before. I want to say it again. That the maker always knows more about the maid than anybody else. The maker, the creator of your life, knows what will help it work best and what helps it to function at its optimum level. And so if I want to know how to live the best life, or I want to know how to live the blessed life, I don't need to get on the internet and find some guru out there with some off-the-wall psychology. I need to go back to the book, the Creator, and I need to find out what the book says about life, and what the book says about my life. And when I embrace that, when I say that's my word, and when I make it a part of my life, it is transformed. Transforming in my life. Amen. And if Israel would obey this covenant, God would abundantly bless them, which in turn would witness to the nations around them that the source of their success was not their own brilliance, but their obedience. We've got, we, we, we've missed that in America. We think we're so great because we have so many brilliant people that are in certain places of strategic importance. But the reason our nation was blessed in its beginning was because there were some of them that were there that recognized that if it had not been for God, there would have been no foundation to build on. And so even though some of them had a limited understanding of God and their view of God was skewed, they still had an underlying principle that said, you know what, the reason we're here is because of the Almighty. And let's never forget that. That's why they put it on our our coin. In God we trust because somewhere back there somebody had the clarity of mind to understand that our blessings are tied to God. They are not tied to our brilliance. They are not tied to our wealth, but they are tied to the almighty hand of God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise right now. You can be seated. The victory 
the faith, the inheritance, the success, the conquest, all of it was tied up in their response to his covenant. Their response to his covenant. The lesson of the book is this. The lesson of his law is this. The lesson of his covenant is simply this. When you learn how to properly respond to that law and that principle, blessings will automatically flow. Blessings will automatically come because they are connected. He said it. He said if you obey it, if you observe it, you shall be blessed in the city. You shall. They're going to overtake you. You're not even going to have to look for them. You're not even going to have to do it so they will come. If you do it, they will come. They'll chase you down. Now, we don't believe that, really. The truth be known. We think we still have to earn it. So we keep doing certain little things trying to get God to smile on us. And God said, hey, I've already told you what to do. If you'll just go back to the book and reread it, you'll discover the key is in the decision that you make on a daily basis that releases my hand on your life to bless you or to provide for you. It's not just what goes on in here on a Sunday morning that I'm looking at. I'm looking at what you're doing on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday. What's governing your lives on Thursday and Friday night and Saturday? That's what I'm looking at because that's what releases my hand. That's what allows me to pour out my blessing. That's what allows me to give you access to a city and give you power over the darkness. Amen. Praise God. And so here's a key you need to understand about God. That if you'll fall in love with the lawgiver. You will gladly embrace his law. But if you do not fall in love with the lawgiver, you will spend your life looking with jaundiced eye at every little idiosyncrasy of the church and say, but why do we have to do that? I don't think that's necessary. I don't believe God really meant that. I don't believe that's what he intended to do. And we become God. It becomes us who interpret what he said. Instead of just accepting what he said. I'm going to give you a a, a 30 day trial. Go home from this morning and take this book And try every day of this next 30 days to live by what's said in this book. And tell me at the end of 30 days what happens to your life. You won't have to hunt for blessing. Blessings will be hunting for you. You won't have to find God's hand. God's hand will be chasing after you. 
But you can't come to church and just get some hoop to do little thing on a Sunday morning and then go back out and disregard every word and disregard every promise and do your own thing during the week and say, I don't understand why God not blessing me. This doesn't work. It does work. But you got to live it every day. You've got to do it every day. And when you embrace it every day of your life. It's not a law anymore. It's love. It's not legalism. It's not another rule. I just don't understand. This church has so many rules. No, we don't. You can sit. I haven't, I haven't had any rule books out here yet. I've been here 26 years. Anybody remember me getting any rule books out? Not in my 26 years. Now where you came from, they may have had a rule book. That's the problem. There's some people that can't live for God unless somebody stands behind the pulpit on a regular basis and all right now. That's what Moses was trying to eliminate. Something's got to get down in your heart because Moses said, I'm not always going to be with you. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to be able to go into the land with you. And I got news for you folks. You're not always going to have me to preach to you. So you got to stop waiting for next Sunday to give you another little boost and a high. You better learn how to embrace something on a daily basis. That no matter who stands in this pulpit, you're going to go right on. And God's hand's going to continually be blessing you and prospering you to a better place. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise. You can be seated. I'm going to try. I don't have my timer back there. I can see. I can now. The conquering of their enemies. Everybody say that with me. The conquering of my enemies. The conquering. Every one of us have enemies. Every one of us have enemies. There are things that are trying to stop us on a daily basis. But the conquering of my enemies, the fighting of daily battles, the claiming of his promises, living successfully in all places and all locations is all wrapped up in my choices and the decisions that I make on a daily basis. It's not just what you do here today. That's a great part of it. But if you don't reaffirm that on Monday, you see, some of us are hoping that if we can come in here on Sunday and embrace it hard enough, that it won't matter what we do on Monday, God's still going to bless me. And He's not. And that's why for some of you, living for God is such a frustrating thing. Because you've made it all about Sunday or Wednesday or church services. And not about the personal relationship 
that goes with you every day of the week, morning and evening. And the point is this, that if it does not govern my life on Monday, if it does not govern my life on Tuesday, then it doesn't matter what God's provided. It doesn't matter what God has put before me. If I make the wrong choice, if I choose to ignore what's said in this book and say, well, you know what, I just don't believe it like that. I don't believe that's necessary. I don't think that applies to this dispensation. This is grace. Everything's covered by grace. You ever heard about frustrated grace? You ought to go read. That's in the book too. And you know what frustrated grace is? It is grace that has been offered and people have trampled it because they couldn't comprehend what grace was. Grace is not an endorsement of your sin. It is an understanding of what sin should not be in your life. And it should not be the rule. It should be the exception. If there is sin. He said... If you have sinned, you have an advocate. But we shouldn't make that a daily habit. Amen. So, he brings them to two mountains. And he puts six of them, six of the leaders on one side, and six of the leaders on the other. Mount Ebal, which represents the cursing, and Mount Gerizim which represents the blessings. And there in that moment, he begins to explain to them the options that are before you. You see, I provided a land that flows with milk and honey. Everything that you need, everything that you need is across that river in that promised land. It's going to be everything I've told you and more. But there's going to be one thing that's going to prevent you from really embracing it and enjoying it to its fullest. And that's what's going to happen right here at these mountains. It's going to be the direction that you point your life. It's going to be what you learn to embrace on a daily basis. The blessing of God or that which brings the judgment or the curse of God. And it was there in that setting that he did one further step to help them. That at Mount Ebal, the Mount of Cursing, he put a wall, a plastered wall, where the law would be written so that they could visibly see it and there would be an altar there. I I thought, God, why did you put that on Mount Ebal. Why did you put it on the Mount of Cursing? I would have thought that would have been what you would have wanted to put on the Mount of Blessing. And as I began to ponder it, the Lord helped me understand that the reason that I put that that plaster there with those laws and that altar is that in case somebody took the wrong turn and they decided to go in that direction and try it out and just see if they could do it without my help or if they could do it without my blessing. 
mercy that if they got down that road and they realized they had made a mistake, that they could come back and there was an altar that they could come back to. And there was an altar they could get reconnected to. And at an altar they could see those mountains again and realize, hey, I have a choice in this matter. I'm not destined to one thing or another, but I have a choice in my life. But God said, there's one thing that you better clearly understand. That though there's an altar there for you to repent at, that wall is never changing. It's going to take the same law going up the mountain or coming down the mountain. Whether you like it or not, I'm not changing my law. And if you come back to the altar, you're going to find the book is still there. And you're going to have to embrace the same principle. If you want to head in the right direction, if you want the blessings of God on your life, you are never going to get away from what's in this book you're never going to be able to separate yourself from that and say I can do it on my own you try it and you see what happens in your own life when you do come on let's praise him right now come on you go ahead and stand I need to shut up Every day I live, listen to me, every day you live, say every day, every day day you live, you are blessing or cursing your life, dependent on the decisions and the choices that you make that day. You are releasing the hand of God to bless you. Or you're restricting that hand to help you. Every day. Every day. Now you, you, you may wonder, well, why don't we have it all hyped up? Because I don't need hype right now. Because some of us are far too familiar with the hype. And we get all hyped up and then we walk out the door and we ignore everything that we're supposed to do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we come back in here on Sunday and we want God to bless us. And then in the week we, well, I don't understand. I've been saying that prayer. But I have a question to ask you. It's not about whether you're saying that prayer. It's about whether you're doing that prayer yeah yeah you, you you see we have become a confess generation we if we confess it with our mouth but if you don't do it with your feet if you don't do it with your tongue if you don't do it with your mind if you don't do it with your heart That hand that's reaching to release blessings on your life has to withdraw because God will not violate his own principle. And the principle is, if you obey me, I'll bless you. Now, obedience is not a, it's not a noose around your neck. It's liberty. Some of you don't really believe that. If your child come into the kitchen and you were cooking and the flame was 
on the stove and out of curiosity, they reached up to that mesmerizing dancing flame. Do you hate them because you slapped their hand away? Oh, that's so cute. He's trying to do it himself. He's trying to figure himself out. He's trying to find his identity. You would slap that hand without any thought. Not because you hate that hand, but because you love that hand. Some of us in this building have misunderstood the chastening of the Lord. We have thought that God didn't like us. And he had, a, had something he had against us because we just weren't perfect. But his chastening of my life is because he loves me. Because I'm his son. I'm not a bastard. I'm not an illegitimate child. And neither is his law a noose around my neck. But it's the only way to really live the blessed life, the free life, the pure life. Amen. It's the only thing that will help you keep your identity in a culture that's trying very quickly to rub out who you are. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to put that burden on them. I'm going to let them decide what they are. That's the kind of thinking that's going on in our culture right now. We're not going to warp that mind. We're going to let it freely develop itself. I want to ask you, how many of you have ever had a garden before? How many of them developed themselves? Huh? How many of them ever developed themselves? You're the garden of the Lord. And so he prunes us and he cuts us and he weaves and he, he turns the soil over in life. Not because he hates us, but because he loves us. He's the only one that ever died for anybody like, like he did. He died for all of us. He didn't just die for himself. He died for us because he loved us. And he wanted me to understand that book was not a noose around my neck. It was not given to me to become a restriction. It's not a burden. But it's my liberty. It's when I embrace it and I start loving the lawgiver that I understand the law. Oh, I know why that I know why he I know why he gave that now. I, I know because I found out through my own choices that when you ignore that, the outcome is not what you desire. Every day I live. Somebody say every day. Every day I live. I am blessing or cursing my life. 
I am releasing or restricting the hand of God. The real cause of my life's success or failure is not in anybody else's hand. But it's in my mind. It's in my mouth. It's in my heart. By the choices and the decisions that I make concerning life on a daily basis. Put yourself in a place today where God can just pour out His blessings. Can I go back and just read quickly the the statement that He made? He said, in all, everybody say all, all these blessings shall come on thee. The indication in the Hebrew is they will run you down. They will come on you and overtake you. Amen. If thou hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, but if you choose to not do that, Then he said, I'm going to withhold. I'm not going to release that in your life. So I'm going to, I'm, 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 I'm preaching to you for a purpose today. Put yourself in a place where God can pour out his spirit in your life. Ask God to give you a more teachable spirit. Ask God to give you a more circumspect and careful countenance. Ask God to give you a more obedient heart. God, help me to quit fighting the hand that's trying to bless me. Amen. Reach over and take somebody by the hand right now. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, I love you right now. God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I just want to remind you that there's an altar before you today. If you've made some mistakes, if you've gone in the wrong direction, there's an altar for you to find the right place and the right pace for life. There's a place to come. Come on. If you're here today and you've gone in the wrong direction, there's an altar right now that's open for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. If there's, if, if, if you've made some poor choices, if you've made some decisions that have not worked out, come on, there's an altar. There's an altar. You can make it to the altar today. There's an opportunity. There's opportunity in this altar today. There is. There is. There is. Come on. Come on. Come on, you need to take responsibility today for the outcome of your life. 